Hello, it's Wednesday, February 13th, 2008, and you're listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is a podcast about the art, the culture, and the madness of Austin, Texas, and its burned community. I'm your host, Lance Hunter. Let's begin. Today, I get to share my interview with Audrey Maker. Audrey's been a burner since 1996, when she was spontaneously invited to that thing in the desert by friends and realized that it was really the place for her. Over the years, she's managed to find a way to combine her art and her deeply held political views. Now, the most popular fruit of this marriage of politics and art is uh, the thing you probably are listening to this podcast for, Burlesque for Peace. For several years now, Burlesque for Peace has been a driving force behind the revival of burlesque in Austin, and is perhaps best known for their yearly Valentine's Day show. In fact, the 2008 version of that show, titled Burlesque Over Broadway, will be happening tomorrow night, Valentine's Day, at the parish. For more information, please visit burlesqueforpeace.org. I got to sit down with Audrey at her house recently, and you'll hear her child running around, and we got to discuss the power behind Burning Man, art, politics, and uh, what it takes to get something like this going. And now, the interview. Um, hi. Hi, how's it going? It's good. Cool. It's a good day. It's a right beautiful on. day outside. Excellent. That yeah, it, I know it's surprising, isn't it? I know. Yeah, February's all being nice to us this year. You never know. That's that's the thing about being an event planner is we fear the weather, but then you know there's days like this that make me go, why why don't I have an event outside today? It would be <laughs> beautiful. Of course, then yeah. I planned an event in February. Yeah. And it rains, and it's terrible. So. Cool. So, uh, why don't you say who you are? Um, I am Audrey Joymaker. I um, uh, have done a lot of flip sides, many, many, many of them. I went to the third flip side and have been ever since then. Third? That was like 2001? Yeah. Or? Nice. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, yeah. Um, and um, I am um, one of the original members of Camp Ish. And um, I also ha- was the greeter lead for five years. And I also have been the offsite event planner and um, other kinds of people wrangling. <laughs> and I've also produced the Burlesque for Peace Valentine's Day show for the last. Awesome, yeah, and uh, and I guess we'll go into we'll go we'll go reverse order then, starting <laughs> with uh, burlesque for peace. What's what's that thing about? Um, well, burlesque for peace is a um, mostly burner group of volunteers that uh, came together after um, we were intending to go to war with Iraq um, in the beginning of two thousand and three. We ended up going to war in March, and this uh, first event was in February. So it was um, an act of protest against that war that we are continuing, we're still in. And um, we've done a bunch of events, uh, not always on Valentine's Day, but we've tried to do an event every Valentine's Day uh, since the beginning. We did miss one year when I had a baby. But, you know, that happens. Um, and instead, I had a party where uh, M7 and June got engaged. So that, that you know, it was, yeah, you know it, we're it still contributing. Right. 
So, um, yeah, so we've done a bunch of different types of charities and different types of uh, events. Some of them were a lot more informal than others. Some of them were, um, this one is a, is a relatively formal venue, mm -hmm. um, which is great. Um, it's easy. It doesn't require a bunch of backbreaking labor to build. Um, no setting up easy ups. Yeah, this is, we're not building the physical stage and hanging the lights this time, which I really love doing when we can do that. It does give a great sense of community, but uh, it's kind of pain. So this year, uh, instead, I, I was contacted by a venue uh, for doing this show there. And so it's going to be at the Parish Room, which um, we did the Texas Burlesque Festival in the fall. Right, on top of jazz, right? On, on top of, yeah, well, it's now Rue. Rue, Rue. Yes. yes. The guy who owns it, his name is Chad. He uh, was a Katrina evacuee that came over, and he had owned a club in New Orleans, and they oh. decided to buy that venue. And the food at Rue is awesome. It's really good. I've, I've been wine and dined by those people because they are catering the Burlesque for Peace event ah. for the people that, that um, got dinner and uh, they're in for a treat. It was really fantastic. So, I was wondering why the dinner tickets were $50, but now I can see. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, dinner tickets are $50 because you get interest to the show, you get a chair and a table, True. Um, and you get you know a nice uh, meal, dessert, appetizer, and we're negotiating the drink ticket or not. So, <laughs> okay. so it's, a, it's a full yeah, experience. So, but uh, those people are very lucky. <laughs> I, can, I agree, yeah. <laughs> There's not that many of them that got that <laughs> deal. So, um, so yeah, um, I've never done a dinner for any of the shows before, so it's a, it's a, it's a new adventure. <laughs> We've also, we're gonna have a live auction of art oh. that have been donated, booby-related art. To support the boobs, and um, also this year I've decided to depart from a, a peace-related charity to uh, Breast Cancer Services Coalition um, and do a boobs for boobs, which has been coming a long time coming. I, I heard the catchphrase "boobs for boobs," and I was like, I don't get it. Is she calling the 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 community boobs? Or no, no, no. <laughs> that yes, maybe sure. I didn't think about that interpretation. No, this is a breast cancer burlesque. Arms. For the purpose of supporting breasts um, and their health and and their and general well-being, so uh, it's boobs for boobs. As something everyone can get behind, <laughs> unless they're a damn dirty communist. But. Yeah, I mean, who? I mean, booby haters. We don't want any of those people anyway. So, um, so yeah, so that's exciting. I I I I got done with protesting the war. I'm now instead of protesting the war, I'm just trying to reelect as many people that and or elect people that will actually stop the war because it seems like protesting hasn't helped very much. Mm. But uh, but that's a, that's my next goal after this show. Yeah. So Yeah, and uh, so you're doing breast cancer awareness this year. What, what are some of the charities you've donated to before? Um, we've donated to Amnesty International. We've donated to um, Adopt a Minefield, which removed uh, minefields yeah, in yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah. We uh, we did a charity drive for uh, Rawa, which is the Revolutionary Afghan Women's Association, which was teaching okay. literacy and um, other survival skills to Afghani women. We have done um, bake sales for body armor, which basically was raising money directly to 
uh, pay for body armor that was requested by soldiers. Right. So, and I've always tried to do direct charities. People who, when I say I'm going to give you two thousand dollars, they can tell me that buys this kind of service, this kind of uh, you know charity work. It's a uh, you know I I try to give to organizations that give me a real um, right. specific idea of what they're doing. Um, that's why when I found a local charity with the Breast Cancer Services Coalition, what, what they do is, is not research or, or lobbying or anything like that. What they do is when somebody's diagnosed with breast cancer, they have a website and a general support network that gets those people to the people that they need to talk to. So it, it's, their, uh, it's all the healthcare providers, all the charities, all of the you know, support groups and stuff all in one place. And so it's kind of a clearinghouse for information about what to do when you're diagnosed. Right. And also they do some direct charity support, which I want to uh, make sure that uh, we support, which is they deliver meals and get gas cards and okay. phone cards and things like that for people who are going undergoing treatments because, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge burden uh, to try to just reorganize your life around having breast cancer. So yeah. they try to provide uh, very direct support for these people and these families. Um, okay. So that's that's why I chose them. Uh, I think they're awesome and they're, they've are they been very helpful in the process of putting the show together, so. Great, yeah, so um, so that's that's the big show that's happening uh, like. In a week. Go, I'll go ahead and say this Thursday because it's <laughs> Thursday now, this won't be released until a right. few days later. But uh, yeah, the Valentine's Day. Valentine's the Day, Thursday. Hell of a date. Yeah. It will be a great uh, place to bring a date. It'll be a great place to be a single person. Uh, also, it's a it's a quite a, a raucous time for oh, both yeah. uh, for any and all people participants. It's a good time to hang out with your friends. Um, it's very no pressure. You know, Valentine's Day can be fun. It doesn't have to suck. So that's the whole reason I do this is because that might Valentine's be the title Day. Of this episode. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Valentine's Day. It doesn't have to suck. Exactly. Cool. Well. uh uh, just a bit more into, um, I guess, why burlesque? Burlesque, okay, well, originally, uh, I didn't know what burlesque was. Uh, no one did. We hadn't heard that word. It was an antiquated thing. Um, and um, I uh, studied opera for many years at University of Houston. And um, I wanted a place to be able to do sort of risque opera because my friends would never go to an opera. Um, so I was like, well, you know, what if, you know, there was naked opera? Like, what if, uh, you know, what would it take, you know, to get people there? And so I was like, well, where can I do naked opera? And I don't really know, you know, I was trying to figure out a venue for that. So instead, I built a whole show around me being able to do naked opera. And other people did their own odd things. And what it ended up being is burlesque. We didn't really know what it was. But at the time, I mean, that's what it was. It was physical comedy. Um, you know, dancing, singing, stripping, um, but we, we just kind of picked the word because it sounded good. And now there's um, 14 different troops. Revival. Yeah, there's 14 different troops in Austin. Um, and there's a burlesque show probably, you know, uh, every day this week. <laughs> um, and uh, and lots of people that get excited about it. So it's it's really cool to, to see it having uh, the movement having grown so much, but also just uh, all of the different ways that this particular burger community has contributed to a much larger international movement. 
maybe unconsciously, but but they have. I mean, we've brought things on stage that no one else is doing anywhere and um, and shown it to um, a semi-public audience. And that gets out and that and that creates an art forum that, you know, other people then hear about and it builds on each other. And so I'm really proud of what I have been able to put on stage um, and the people that have stepped up and given us uh, their you know, labors and creativity and really fantastic ideas and re and also very emotional, vulnerable performances. I mean, these, these people are, you know, burying their bodies, but that's not, that's not the whole point. I mean, a lot of these acts are very much about transformation and about re the revealing nature of showing people who you really are, not just what they see the first time, you know, it's a. It can be a political statement. It can be a mm -hmm. statement about gender and about race and class. As originally, the burlesque movement was was a commentary, a social commentary. So, it's. I think that we've brought some of that um, to the stage, and you know, people don't think about it all the time. But but this art form has a lot to contribute in changing people's minds about why and how we go about uh, interacting with other people, the, the ways we view people, um, you know, and there's the way we, you can change music, you can change uh, icons, you can, you know, I saw uh, an act that um, used a George Bush mask on top of a dancer and it was the wrongest thing I've ever, ever <laughs> seen. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you have the ability with this art form, it really is a broad um, you know, thing, so you can take your viewpoint and put it in the context of, of humor and of entertainment and, and, and really speak volumes about uh, the things that you care about, and I, that's what I love about it. So, I mean, it's a... Mm -hmm. I take a very political approach. Clear. I've done burlesque the vote. I've done burlesque for peace. I mean, I've, I've, I I use it in that way. But some people, it's 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 just entertainment. That's fine. Um, I think that that uh, you know, entertainment is a healing and fantastic goal. So, um, but um, when uh, Courtney decided to uh, finally, well, she finally was released from the army and she stripped out of her. Uh, government issued clothes and, and threw mm -hmm. her dog tags in the audience and and was done with that whole life. I mean that that was extremely meaningful to me um, as a producer to be able to put that moment on stage. So I mean, there's times when it can mean a whole lot. Right on. Yeah. So. Cool. And uh, I guess going a bit more general now, um, how did you go from? I'm gonna say I'm assuming you were from the burn community and performances there to performances for the um, greater world at large. Um, well, yeah, we used to do shows that really was the only way to get a ticket is you had to you had to get one from me. Um, so that mm -hmm. meant that it was mostly people that that I had physically talked to or seen in the last in the month preceding the show. So it was very uh, localized around my community. Um, and those shows, I mean, the first show we did at Elysium. Uh, was uh, just an explosion of community, sexuality, uh, uh, confusion, hilarity, 
Like I had no idea what was going on and I was amazed and I, you know, I realized that I, although I kind of put it together, it was not about me. It was about everybody, you know, being just in love with each other and wanting to send, spend t that moment together. And that was cool. That was cool to facilitate that. Um, the shows since then um, have been higher profile and more people have come in, more performers have come in. So I've tried to alternate doing community events um, that are mostly uh, available only to community members, uh, like what the, the burlesque shows that we do at uh, Soup or another, other um, house parties or those kinds of things. Um, and then big public events because there's a, a huge demand for burlesque in Austin um, and I've you know just gotten to know so many fantastic performers who are not burners but you know they uh, I want to make sure to have a place for them a showcase for them because they contribute a, a, an awesome thing to the art form so I've uh, I've, I've sold out um, uh, by creating the Texas Burlesque Festival, mm -hmm. which was very successful uh, financially and um, and really uh, satisfying emotionally, because for years I have tried to do burlesque and it's been um, a huge burden to try to find to get permission to try to um. find a venue to try to make sure that the fire marshal and the police and the, all of the powers that be yeah. you know let us do it. And, um, and TABC and all that. And now, um, after that festival, where we established that burlesque uh, is something that people demand, that there is uh, a huge breadth and depth of, of artists and also audience, um, that now, since then, there's been no problems getting venues, people contact me, and well, let's say, well, Texas Burlesque Fest, y'all sold out two fairly decent-sized venues. Yeah, we sold too. out the Parish and the Antones, um, and that was really great. It was great, and we are now booking Lizona Rosa for the next uh, wow. next fall, um, and um, it will continue to draw people from all over Texas. I mean, this was not just uh, Austin phenomenon. I mean, all over Texas, we had Brownsville and Corpus Christi and Dallas and San Antonio and. Houston and you know everybody I'm was trying there. Trying to imagine the Nacogdoches crew. The, you know, the, there apparently sure is were, this yeah. big rivalry down in Brownsville about who was the original <laughs> burlesque troupe down there. So you know, I just I love to see it, and so that was great. And it was it was it was it was really, really put. Um, and, and some of the burlesque for peace performers performed in that, and um, you know brought their what they had to offer uh, to that very large stage. Um, which I think was a great opportunity and I also think was uh, really cool and eye-opening for everybody to see what everybody else has got. So, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, producing for strangers is um, something I'm trying to get used to, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's, it's been pretty rewarding. Although uh, I feel like although the crowd was having a great time, um, there's nothing like um, the crowds that we have when it's, when it's mm -hmm. us, when it's burners. Burners are the best audience I've ever done anything for. They they love what you put on stage. They get it. They don't have to you know you don't have to explain a whole lot. They they support people. Um, you know uh, when someone is struggling with their performance, they you know give a, a huge amount of energy into the into the performers. You know even when they're they're messing up and I think that's great I mean I it's about um, it's about being there for that moment and it's live and it's not mm -hmm. polished and it's not it's not about 
it's it's about that interaction between someone who wants to share something with an audience and the audience wants to be there and to support that person and that that connection between those two entities is live performance and that's why we do it because you know there there are so many other ways to entertain yourself nowadays that um, coming out to see a show and, and see people in the flesh doing things is is uh, already kind of an act of defiance so you're not downloading things from the iTunes yeah. right you know <laughs> so um, as much as I love downloading things from iTunes it's 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 a whole different experience to come out and see people and 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 be with a group of people experiencing the same moment all together at the same time that Ooh. is that is what live performance is so so uh yeah, I guess coming back, uh, I guess how did you get involved in this whole crazy burn thing in the first place? Um, I was 19 years old, and I um, and my boyfriend at the time um, got a call from one of his, his ex-girlfriends, whose name is XTC, um, who is my, my godmother of, Bur <laughs> of Burning Man. She apparently was uh, in a car repair shop in Los Angeles. She had just moved out to LA, and she uh, was reading a Spin Magazine article about Burning Man. This was July, okay, mm -hmm. July. And so she called me, we're going to this thing. And I was like, what is this, what, what do we, we, buy your plane tickets, I'll figure everything out, you're, you're coming. So we, we did, because uh, we were 19, and what else yeah. are you gonna do? So um, I, um, flew out to LA and we and XT spent day uh, day driving around all over getting camping equipment. We still had no I'd never been camping. <laughs> XT had never been camping. Matthew I think had gone camping once with his parents or something. We, none of us we did we were not survivalists by any stretch. We had no no idea what we were doing. Um, and so we drove from LA up to Burning Man. This was back in '96. Oh. When there was no roads, there was no oh, greeters. Second, this was '96. There were the, still uh, guns. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no, there was no order. There was no like you camp here. There was no map. There was no. I mean, you showed up in a big cloud of dust and parked, and you figured it out. And and, and I I don't even remember how far away the porta potties were. I think that there was only one cluster, and it was next to the man. I mean, it was it was a totally different event. Then, uh, then we have now. Um, there was about five thousand people, um, and um, I remember uh, driving through the dust. The, there was somebody taking tickets. Um, tickets were sixty something dollars. Um, uh, we turn off the road. We deal with tickets, and they say, "Do you have a compass?" Because everybody had to bring a compass because there was no way there was no roads or anything. So we brought our compass and sat on the dashboard and said, "Just keep going north." until you run into something. And I think they meant that literally, I mean, because it was, so we, we just did, we, we, we went north through the, in the dust storm, and I remember the, the dust parting, you know, in the middle of nothing, and everybody who's been out there, you realize what nothing yeah. is. We couldn't even see the city, there was no lights or anything like that. Dust parts, and there's a whole city, sort of, camping kind of cluster of people back there, and it was like Oz, it was like this whole, like, <laughs> it was, I, I remember that moment. Um, really well. Um, so of course I had an amazing conversion experience at that burn, and um, and let me just say this is awesome because I hear all the myths and all oh, the stories of '96 and how '96 was the last true year of Burning Man. You know, 
actually talk to someone who was out there in 96 now. 96 was probably the last year at Burning Man that every single person that was there had the same experience together, and that experience was, oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that that's a good thing. Like, you know, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> there, there is that. I mean, you know, the, the, the art was not mind-blowing. The... Um, you know, there are so many better things that we've done since then. I think I'm definitely, uh, you know, a, a fan. I'm going this year. I'm. Uh, I I think that Burning Man still has a lot to contribute to uh, ideas in the world. But uh, in '96, it was a unique and special time. I'm really glad no one died. Well, someone <laughs> did die actually, but it was before the event. So. Um, um, yeah, uh, they still had guns. That was the thing. The drive-by shooting range was really kind of, yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good because, you know, I think that we get so wrapped up in the idea that things should be safe and that our life is about safety and, and, and comfort and convenience and all these things that we really built an entire society around providing. But the reality is that your life has none of those guarantees. Um, nothing about being on this planet is essentially safe or comfortable or convenient. Mm. We have built a society with lots of infrastructure and lots of and lots of people that make sure that your life is that way. But but you're the, when you strip down and get down to it, that's not what life is. And um, it's really nice to sometimes have a, that perspective of uh, of the other side of how much we can appreciate. You know. S sewage and uh, garbage removal and um, you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, modern conveniences um, and, yeah. uh, and, sh and and structures and houses that, f that that stay up and that we don't have to continue to keep putting together over and over again and I'm really really glad that I am not a frontiers woman because I uh, I apparently I'm no good at structure. I'm great at organizing people. I'm, I would get all the barn raising people together to build my barn, but I, I have, I have very reluctantly come to terms with the fact that I should not be in charge of things that might go over people's heads and fall down. I see. So <laughs> after many years. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great. And so. I guess, you know, you've run up some great examples there, but just, you name, like, um, what are some things that have kind of changed you about having gone to this whole Werner thing? Oh, well, okay, I mean, that's sort of the biggest thing um, that I experienced, my transformative experience, is that um, I was raised in a, in a worldview that involved a lot of, of shame. Um, as a motivator, as a as a as a way uh, to control people, and um, when I found that there was a place on this planet that that was just not how people operated, there was there was no shame there. There was no one shaming anyone. That was not even in the. It, in 96, there has been some dogma added to the Burning Man community since then that now involves shame and with littering and some other things, which mm -hmm. I appreciate, but I still, I still, I, I really appreciated having a space 
in my life to to even name that feeling because I didn't even I had it had been so ubiquitous in my experience that I didn't even know what it was called and so when I finally was in a place where I didn't feel that nothing about that experience was shameful nothing about my body or my views or my you know uh, desires was shameful it was um, it was extremely liberating and it was also (coughs) very healing for me because like removed from your environment you were able to see the shaming that was there and put a name on this process that was in the other environment of your life yeah yeah I I realized how much shame was I was physically carrying in my life in my body um, because that's what I was taught I I was taught you know um, basically you know extremely human impulses and desires and, 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 and shapes and sizes that people are and would were shameful uh, inherently, and that, that there's nothing you can do about it. You, your 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 essential nature was something you should hide from everyone because if anybody found out um, that you had these characteristics or believed these things or felt this way, that you know you would be shunned, you would be punished, you would have you know um, to repent and atone for this you know these things. And to me, it was like these things are just how. I've always been. I don't know how to be different. I don't know how else to be. Um, so I, I internalized um, a lot of this. And then I went to a, a, a place in a society full of people that, that that was not the standard and not the ideal. And it was like, oh, I had no idea that it could be anything else. And I'm sure that in some point in my life, I would have come to these realizations without Burning Man. But I think that um, it was a it was it just kind of hit me like a truck. I mean, you can't you can't uh, step outside of reality totally and not come back with some you know uh, commentary at least on your reality that you live in. And my reality that I lived in, I, I you know I realized uh, that that had a big a, a punitive aspect. Um, and uh, then I I decided from then on to. to I was going to decide whether or not my characteristics and behaviors and impulses were good or bad based on my own terms and not not this external um, decision from other people that don't know me and don't know anything about me. Um, and it, that's a, a huge uh, perspective shift for a 19-year-old to have. So uh, that's the other thing is I was, I was a baby when I went, you know, so... Um, so yeah, I don't know how else I would be in the world uh, without having gone to Burning Man because I, I went when I was so young and um, it's shaped my entire life, uh, my entire adult life. I got married on the man um, to my first husband um, and it was a, a beautiful thing and I'm very fantastically happy that I did that. Um, you know, uh, at the time there was nothing, uh, no place in the world that I felt more connected to God, which is why I chose that place to get married. Um, I still feel that way about um, that space. It is every single uh, time of my life, and that's been 10 years of going, every time I've gone, I've gotten exactly, exactly, exactly what I needed, whether I wanted it or not. <laughs> and uh, and th- I can't say that about any anything else. And, and it, I have... I believe in Burning Man and in a very spiritual way. And I know that uh, I had this great moment with somebody when I was out there 
Um, I had recently gotten divorced. Uh, I was pretty torn up. Um, lots of things going on in my life. Felt a huge amount of loss. And so I went uh, to the only place I knew that would take care of me. And, um, and it did. It, it really did. And uh, I went out and I was on a silent retreat for several days. Um, and uh, one, I, which I just sat in the desert and was quiet and tried to sort my stuff out. And um, this guy came to check on me to make sure I was okay because I'm sitting in the middle of the desert and like, do you have enough water and are you on drugs and whatever. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I, had, I had a little tablet I could write on and I tried to explain. And, and as long, you know, he, he was like, well, do you mind if I sit here with you? And, and, and so it was, it was, it was cool. He didn't say anything after that. And then um, I pointed at his, um, he had a tattoo of the man. <laughs> which I thought it was fake, but it wasn't, you know, and then I kind of poked at it a little bit, and it was like, he was like, he just looked at me, he said, yep, <laughs> I believe, and I was like, I get that, I do, I get that, I, you know, um, I've had my, you know, like everybody, uh, the concerns about uh, growth and the changing uh, nature of the community there, and, and, and like any city, it has urban problems, like um, any anything ever, growth has um, consequences, but it also has uh, such amazing rewards. Um, the waffle was some of the most beautiful, amazing uh, expression of confusion and <laughs> disorder that I've ever seen. Um, and it, that stuff was just not possible um, if we go back to uh, 96. You know, there's there's nothing about the big art that you see that blows your crazy fucking mind that we could do in a small event. And mm -hmm. I, I love Flipside, um, but um, until we're 30,000 people at Flipside, we're not gonna see these huge installations, and, and, I, and I'm okay I think, with that. I think any LLC members yeah. that just had a heart attack. Right, no, exactly, so I don't, I, I, so there's still a place for Burning Man. Yeah. There's, a, there's a case to be made for Burning Man contributing something unique to my life, even with Flipside, even with my fantastic community, even with my life in Austin, which is completely and utterly enriched by people who've also been touched by this event. Um, this year, especially, um, I believe uh, very strongly um, in the American dream. And for them to have chosen that as the theme, usually the themes don't mean a whole lot, uh, blah, 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 all this other stuff. I. I thought it was incredibly ballsy, and I know that there are a lot of people that don't want to go, and that's cool. I didn't want to go last year because uh, <laughs> um, I felt ambivalent about the theme. This year, um, I want to go just to see who is there for the theme because um, I think it's up to artists and dreamers to dream the American dream um, and to articulate it and to put it out there for everybody because, um, you know, we do not want that agenda set by other people, you know? <laughs> um, America as a whole still has a lot to offer the world and its citizens, um, and uh, I think that we have gotten off course and unfocused, and we need to figure out where we're gonna fit. Um, and it's, a, it's gonna be a new relationship a new compact uh, with 
the world and um, and people in the United States um, because you know um, it's a whole new game now um, the, the, the global economy and, and all these other things are not going anywhere and um, I think that it's time to start thinking where do we go from here and I'm really really proud that Burning Man uh, wants to be part of that discussion um, at least the start of that discussion if not mm -hmm. the end of it um, and uh, so um, yeah I'm very excited about going out there this year I'm excited about flip side too um, I think that um, the flip side community as a whole um, has gone through some interesting challenges in the last year that um, you know inherently changed what this community likes to believe about itself um, for good or bad it, it you know uh, just having the kinds of discussions that we've had about inclusivity and and, and justice and um, you know uh, individual rights versus uh, right to participate in a group um, all of these are important um, community identity issues and we uh, had to really face those things and I think that that changed who we are um, good bad or otherwise I think I think good I've seen a lot of um, more openness and people who are willing to forgive a lot of old grudges after uh, you know, a very uh, hurtful and torturous and long uh, community debate, and I'm really glad to see uh, us going forward as a community as well. I feel personally um, a lot more reinvested in the community as a whole and at large um, because we're done talking about it, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, you knock on wood. <laughs> well, um, at least. Uh, what I saw was people who believe in this community and what it has to offer and that it has value stood up for the community, uh, not just for people in the community, but for the community. The community defended itself. Mm -hmm. um, and that, it sucks when you ever have to do that. Um, but I think that it, it taught us a lot about um, who we are and what we have what we have to protect. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's not just about um, a party that you are invited to or not. It's 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 something really sacred and precious to a lot of us, and it's worth fighting for. It's worth defending. It's it's just like um, any of the other ideas. Um, there's a time for peace and, and, and compromise, and there's a time to draw a line. And I wish that there weren't ever times that you had to draw a line. I think that that's true in, in most circumstances, that most people prefer never to have to make that hard stand. But um, I really uh, appreciate everybody who put effort into resolving the community the community conflict that we just went through, and, it, and I, I, you know, care deeply that everybody find a way to forgive all of the transgressions on all the sides uh, and, and get back to a place where we can create um, some fantastic experience together again. I think that this this year coming is going to be that for me. Um, I'm much more likely to go up to a stranger and talk to them when I know my community has my back. Awesome.
Alright, I'm, I'm not just ditch the Valentine's Day title and just say my the community has my back. <laughs> well, I don't know. I read I yeah, I can go off about random stuff, as you know. Um, but um but also coming up, I mean I'm I'm planning on um on the lead this year for the first time after a while. I I was uh I was mostly tending to a smaller group of my community. Um having a baby will do that to you, kind of gets you to circle the wagons and um and gets you to really concentrate on who's gonna help me raise this baby and so um, I used to participate in much larger events, and, and now, uh, and then I kind of tightened my group a bit um, during the last couple years, but now um, I feel a lot more connected to the larger community, and I feel more excited about participating in the organization that puts on Flipside, and um, so I am the procession lead. Oh, the procession. Uh, so what some, the hell is the procession? Some could argue the procession space. doesn't mean anything, and that's okay, um, <laughs> because I can make it mean something. Um, I think that um, when I've talked to people about what they want from a burn, why do we come to this event? Why do we work so hard to get there? What what do we? What is the moment that we're trying to create together? And um, it, it's it, it's still about the burn. Um, it's about that moment, and we have, I feel like, not successfully really engaged the energy of the community at a burn at the new place yet. I think the, the space is, a, is kind of a challenge where we're used to kind of just rolling up on the fire and, and it happened, mm -hmm. um, but the space kind of is a little, energy is a little more diffuse, it's harder to concentrate uh, everybody's attention, uh, sound is an issue. There's a, you know, there's a lot of things that as a challenge. So what I'm trying to do is, is um, with the procession and my husband is a burn night coordinator, also known as the burninator. Um, we're, we're trying to produce the event of the burn in a way that uh, kind of overcomes some of these challenges um, so that it's a seamless experience for the people that are coming. Um, uh, some of that is also, I don't want people to wait for the burn. <laughs> waiting for the burn is like waiting for someone to get out of the bathroom so you can piss. It sucks and no one enjoys it, okay? Like, <laughs> what I want is for people to bring their energy to the burn and be ready to build the energy and create the moment together so that when the burn happens, your experience of it is as awesome as it possibly can be. This does not mean just tying your drugs <laughs> to do it where the burn is happening. This is about intention and focus and putting your heart into it. We will not burn the man unless you're ready to watch it burn. I am not going to create this moment for someone who's just sort of waiting for something to happen to them. I want you to make it happen. Um, and that is, um, it, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create things with the procession uh, I want to create a visual uh, thing that people can do together. I want to create a physical movement thing that people can do together. I want to create a noise, sound, chant, song, something that people can do together. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to do all the things. You don't have to do any of the things. But there's enough of that going on, and they mesh together so that there's, there's an energy, there's a focus, there's a building. And what I want is as the procession happens that when the procession occurs and, sh and we roll up on the man, that that sets off a series of events that everybody can participate in that builds towards the burn. Um, I, think that, I think that it's a, it's a, 
it's a huge challenge because um, there's a lot of history with how we've done the burn and there's a lot of people invested in how we've done the burn. Um, there's a lot of uh, communication and a huge amount of uh, cat herding that would have to happen for us to really create that moment. And there's a lot of you know concern that you don't want to you know make it too slick or professional or whatever. You don't want to make it too controlled. That's not that's that's not my intention at all. My intention is so that when you come, you know what's happening. Um, it's clear what's happening next. It's clear where the focus should be. It's yeah. clear how uh, this the direction of the energy and where it's Th there's going. a narrative yeah I, I want there to be uh, you know and then what happens like uh, I remember watching the burn with a, a, a newbie last year who had never been to any burn event ever and she the whole time she's like well, ha what happens next what happens next <laughs> what happens next and and I felt that that was um, unfortunate because um, that's certainly not my experience of my first burn I, I knew exactly what was happening next. There was going to be a big crazy explosion, <laughs> yeah. and 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 you need to run. You need to run away, you know. Um, but uh, but I think that uh, I think that uh, uh, it's tough. It's a tough thing because you have to coordinate with fire and with wind and with neighbors and all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's it's not an easy task. Um, but I, I think that Carlos and I definitely are up to the challenge of of trying to create a burn experience that kicks ass. And that's really the end of it. I mean, that's 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 the goal. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to walk away from that burn just with their minds completely blown. That's awesome. What I want. All right, cool. So now, final question. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, and you know, just if you've listened before, and I don't know if you listened before, or you're really good at being interviewed. <laughs> one or the other. Um, so I need to know is what does it take to be a rock star? <laughs> uh, well, I I would think you'd have to play some instruments or. Something, but I, I <laughs> so I guess in the metaphorical sense of rock star, sure. Um, a lot of it's just being and 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 challenge yourself to get very comfortable with who you are and what you can do and what you're um, capable of. I think that the hardest thing for me about um, being in a body with all of this energy and all of this uh, focus and drive is that um, I don't always. Uh, think that I have permission to use it. I don't always think that um, other people will let me. I think that uh, somehow by being uh, and doing the things that I care about passionately that I'm gonna upset people or you know it's, it goes back to the, the, the shame thing that, that by being who I was in the context of my childhood it was unacceptable and I still carry some of that where there's days that I wake up and I feel like you know, um, this energy that I have is more of a burden than um, than anything else because it's got to go somewhere, and if I'm not doing something with it, it, it tears me up. So, um, so all of this is really just a, key, a way to keep me from going insane. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's kind of a, a downer answer, but um, <laughs> but no, I mean, really, uh, I do appreciate the compliment. Um, I think that the thing about um, doing the awesome that you have inside you is that um, you need to be able to um, do only the things that the return of energy uh, that you get from it uh, balances the energy that you put out and if you have a tremendous amount of energy that means you need to put your energy into tremendous things you can't uh, you can't focus um, uh, 
lot of energy at, at small, petty things that, um, that really end up just taking so much time and energy to, to deal with and not giving you back anything. So um, a lot of what Burning Man does and Flipside does, I think, is create a, a palette, an arena, for people to do tremendous things with uh, with their energy, to create things that no one has ever seen, to do things people uh, didn't think uh, they could, and to take uh, people's ideas and energies and put them into large groups and group and unify them in a focus. Not just your own vision, but everybody's vision together, um, making a, a moment, making a, maybe making a statue, making um, making a big fire you know like it I think that chainsaw taking on the burn the, the, the effigy again I'm sure he's it, I'm sure he's daunted I'm sure he doesn't feel like how am I gonna do this again I mean, we could all individually sort of do art by ourselves in our own spaces and never interact with each other and only like only really go out to when we want to you know, you know, when it's convenient for us, but that's not what we do. I mean, we we um, we love to interact as a group, um, and one of the byproducts of that interaction is art. Um, art is the focus for our interaction. One of the things that we do when we get together is, you know, um, uh, it, it just happens. It's like, oh, what if we did this and this idea? Somebody has the idea. Other people have. The execution. Some people have just labor. Some people have just admiration for what is going on, and and, and uh, you put all those things together, and you get art, and um, and uh, that's pretty fucking cool. And the process of making art is also art. So, okay. um, witnessing the process is just as important as the end result. Um, so, uh, that's why I think the warehouse as a as a space, as a venue, is you know the heart of this community uh, in Austin anyway, because people can witness other people in the process of making art and they can get excited for them and they can be enthusiastic and they can get excited about going to Flipside because they want to see what happens when that guy finishes that. They want to see what happens when that thing that they they saw them drawing sketches about actually physically exists. And um, I think that, you know, the more of that we have, the better. So. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. This has been fantastic. And that was Audrey. Now, don't forget... Burlesque for Peace presents their Valentine's Day show, Burlesque Over Broadway, tomorrow night at the Parish. Dinner seating, for those of you lucky enough to get those tickets, will be happening at 6.30, and doors will open for general admission ticket holders at 8 o'clock. The show will begin at 8.30, and it promises to be one hell of a time. Proceeds will benefit Breast Cancer Services Coalition, and you can get more information at burlesqueforpeace.org. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is hosted at lancehunter.net slash flip. That's flip with one P. To email Flipped Out, email flippedout at gmail.com. And that's Flipped Out with two Ps. Thank you all for listening. Now, go be spectacular. Spectacular.